about 29 years ago or so, maybe 39, no, 29 years ago, I um, rather strangely discovered that I had a bit of a gift for throwing heavy things a long way. It might sound a bit strange. Um, but I did. When, um, when I was in school, I used to love athletics and the field stuff, throwing the shot put and the, the discus and the, and the hammer. I used to love it. But there was a, a guy there called um, Norman Nape, who for a 14-year-old boy had incredibly large muscles. I still think that he was probably 20 uh, and actually made it into our class. Um, but I loved it. But then I joined the Navy. Um, and as they do, they make you do sport. They make you do it. And it's, it's for your good. But we had days where we had athletic days, certainly uh, in the summer. And I tell you, one day that I was put forward, I mean, when I joined the, the Navy, I was, I was quite fit. When we left basic training, I was quite fit. But about a year later, after much food and much drink, I wasn't perhaps as fit uh, as I used to be, and I was a lot larger. Um, and so everyone put me in, uh, the, the, athletic, the athletics. Who would like to do shot put, Shiner? Who would like to do hammer, Shiner? I got put in for everything that you could throw heavy because they thought I would be good at it. And, and I was. I did do javelin because there was far too much finesse and technique involved in that. But if it was big and heavy, I could throw it. And it turned out that I won every event that I was in. I won the shot put, and I won the hammer, and I won the discus by, by some distance. And I'm not, I'm not boasting before you. I'm really not. What I want to say is that this, um, this physical training officer, one of the, the PTI officers, came up to me and he said, do you realize with the hammer, he said, you're five meters off the Navy record. He said, with a little bit of training and a little bit of hard work and a little bit of coaching, we could get you to beat that. And then, you know, you'd be looking at national competition. You'd be looking at going to national um, events. And I thought, wow, that sounds wonderful. And being the guy that I was then, I firmly forgot about it, never did anything about it. And I had this, this talent, this gift that I didn't really realize. And it could have gone on to be something quite different. It could have been really quite amazing. But because I didn't bother, because I couldn't be bothered, it just drifted away. I'd have never revisited it. But we'll come back to that, that story perhaps a bit later on. But I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians 9 this morning, verses 24 to 27. And um, we came across this, or I decided on this passage quite some time ago when I found out that Jeff was running the marathon, and he said, you know, will you, will you preach that morning while I'm running? So I thought, well, what, what could I preach on? So some of you will know already what is coming. But this is 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 to 27. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run? But only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Now, what Paul is doing here, he is using uh, the, I have trouble saying this, the Isthmian Games um, that happened near Corinth. Called Isthmian uh, because they were taking place on what was known as an isthmus, a piece of land that would connect two other pieces of land. This was Greece and the, the Peloponnese. And so it was called the Isthmian Games near Corinth, who Paul was writing to, the Corinthians. 
And he quite often, in a lot of his letters and a lot of his teaching, he used to use sporting analogies and athletic analogies to talk to us about the spiritual life. And he drew many parallels between them and how we could uh, use them, how we could emulate them to strive to be like Jesus. Now, I use that word carefully, strive. What I'm talking about this morning is not about striving. It's not about just trying hard. It's not about that. It's about trying to emulate Jesus, trying to stay close to God and close to Jesus. But this is what Paul did. He used many of these um, sporting analogies to help us uh, understand this. And I also want to say at the outset, and I will probably repeat this during the message, that, that salvation is free. Salvation is free. It is a gift from God. It is grace. We cannot try to get it. We cannot win it. We cannot do anything by ourselves. But when we give our life to Christ, we do have this crown of salvation, this crown of righteousness waiting for us. It is ours. But it's in response to that that Paul is calling us to do these things. He doesn't want us to fall away from the prize. He doesn't want us to miss it. He doesn't want us to fall away from it. And so he calls us, as you'll see in the NIV Bible here, this need for self-discipline and this need um, for following Jesus intently. So verse 24 says this. I'll read it again. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? That's all of us. All the runners run. But only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. So everyone competes in normal games, in these Isthmian games. They compete for one prize. They're all going for one prize. But we're all going to get a prize of our own. We're all going to have a prize of our own. But Paul calls us to run in a way that we will win the prize. Run to win. That's great, but how do we do that? Torah is telling us to do this, but how do we do it? And the, the answers are in verse 25. Verse 25 says this. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So strict training. Sounds like two wonderful words, doesn't it? So many of us love strict training. But what is strict training? Strict training is regular. It's not sporadic. It's not now and again. Strict training is regular. It's organized. It's planned. It's just not something you wake up and feel like doing. It's a planned thing. And it pushes us to the limit. Strict training is something that shouldn't be all that comfortable. It should want to stretch us. You should feel stressed when you're in strict training. And this is what Paul is calling us to. I think of the the swimmer, uh, Michael Phelps, I don't know if you remember him. I know he, he fell from glory for a while, but in the early days, when, when things were more pure, he would be up at 5 o'clock in the morning, sometimes 4 o'clock, in the swimming pool, swimming for five hours before most people had even got to work. He used to get through a diet of 8,000 to 10,000 calories a day to support the swimming that he would do in the pool. That was strict training. He'd do it when he didn't feel like it. There must have been days where he thought, I just don't want to do this anymore, but he did it. He did it. He went into strict training. It was regular, it was organized, and it stretched him. And his diet had to match. Uh, friends of Kate and I, a um, few years back, felt the call of God um, to go to Monaco. They weren't sure when, but they really felt they must go. So what Nathan did was he set aside an hour every day. It was regular. It was intentional. It was organized. And it stretched him. And what he did in that hour was he looked at the financial system of Monaco. 
He looked at the, the mortgages. He looked at the law system, the land system, buying a house, education. He had two girls, sorry, and a boy. He made sure that if this is what I'm going to do, I need to know what I'm doing. I need to be prepared for this move. I need to be prepared to do what I feel God is calling us to do. He went into strict training. And what we find with strict training is that the long-term gain, the end goal, the long-term gain is won by regular short-term pain. When you, when you hear of, you've heard that, no pain, no gain. But think about the long-term goal. It's not one in one leap. It's not one in one jump. It's one in lots of regular short-term bursts. We have to do this regularly. And the other thing that's strict in this, when they go into strict training, is, is deprivation. Sometimes you've got to stop doing stuff. You've got to start training strictly, regularly, intentionally. But some things you've got to give up. And this morning, believe me, I am preaching to myself here. I'm going to talk about diet. Diet is really important. And I'm not going to stick on entirely on uh, exercise and diet this morning because everything has spiritual implications. But diet is a big thing. But who, who here, you don't have to put your hand up, but I'm going to. Who's, um, who's ever been on like every diet going? And they've been up and they've been down and up and they've been down and realize actually none of it really works because it's all just kind of short term, not really in it. What it takes is healthy living. It takes regular, intentional living. It needs to be part of our life. And we need to keep the long-term goal in sight. Like we need to keep the crown of righteousness, what God has called us to, this prize that is waiting for us, we need to keep that in sight. It's about longevity. It's not about the short term, it's about the long term. What does this life look like? It involves, for us, spiritual disciplines. It involves where we might talk about running, where we might talk about uh, strength training, we might talk about diet and getting much water we get in. For us, we're talking here about getting into the Bible, knowing the Word of God, feeding on the right things. We're talking about prayer, spending time with God, our Creator, our Father, the one who loves us, who, in this analogy, is our coach. He's the one that got all the answers. He's the one that will grow us. He's the one that will shape us. He's the one that will stretch us and make us better and make us more, help us to be more like Jesus. On on the terms of diet, um, Kate's uh, uncle was a professional footballer, and he often said to me, he said, Paul, wherever I go, he said, I see really big guys running on the running machine, and they can run for two hours, and then they get off, but they never get any better. He says, because the diet's wrong. They're putting in all the effort, all the training, but the diet's not right. We've got a guy here at, at church, I don't think he's in this morning, called Simon. Uh, he's a trainer at the Nuffield Gym just down behind church. And I don't know why he says this to me all the time. <laughs> but he says, you can't outrun or outtrain a bad diet. He said, Paul, you can come here all the time. You can work out really hard. You can run really fast and you can keep doing it. But if your diet's not right, you're kind of fighting yourself. You're going around in circles. Now, I'm not talking here about food, but we can see the analogies. We know enough about it to know what we're saying here. But what is this diet? Again, going back to spiritual implications. This is the bread of life. This Bible is the bread of life. What are you feeding on? What are we feeding on? Are we feeding on the good stuff? Are we feeding on the bad stuff? And again, I I preach to myself... (laughs) As, as I've been preparing this message, I know full well that if I find a good series on Netflix, if it's to do with crime or action or a spy thriller, I know that I can waste three or four hours just like that without realising, you know, it comes up, doesn't it, with the play next episode. I don't even think. It just starts. It just carries on. And I know that 
while these things in themselves aren't bad, they're quite entertaining, they're, they're quite good, but it's not the stuff I should be feeding on all the time. If I, if I started to eat more of the right stuff and less of the other, we won't call it bad, less of the other stuff, my diet would change. Things inside me would change. So we're going to look at the things that we do regularly, the things that we feed on. And it's not just read your Bible more, just pray more. Do you meet with Christian friends? Do you hold yourselves account to one another? Do you talk about your life? Do you talk about the things you watch, the things you read, the people you hang out with? What is our diet like? If we're going to go into strict training, we need accountability. We need to look after one another. Another aspect of strict training, as I said earlier, is it, it's not very appealing, is it? Strict training, if we're honest, is not particularly appealing. I can feel some of you this morning say, I don't want to. I just don't want to. I don't feel like going into strict training. I don't want to do it. But if you speak to, if you speak to Jeff, you're probably not at the moment because he'll be out of breath. But if you were to speak to him about the training, it doesn't matter whether you're Jeff Lee running a half marathon once in a while or whether you're Mo Farah that breaks records for a living, the first mile in a run is awful. It's always awful. Your body is trying to establish some kind of rhythm. You're expending energy. You need to get oxygen in. And to start with, there's just this kind of, this imbalance. And it's trying to get that balance right. But once that first mile is done, the training, this intensive training, this strict training that you take part in, suddenly everything feels really good. And the more you do it, the better it gets. The gains are encouraging. When you start to see yourself running faster, not feeling like you're going to die when you've finished a race, you can feel the gains getting better. And it's the same in the spiritual life. It's the same with spiritual implications. The more you get into the Word, the more you read it and you try to understand it. And if you don't, ask someone. If you don't, get a commentary. Don't stop with, oh, I don't really get this. But the more you read it, the more you understand it, the more it comes out in your life, the more the challenges you will face. And you think, I've read that. I know that. I know what God says about that. When you face challenges with people, the Bible tells us everything we need to know about people and dealing with people and how to love one another. So it has spiritual implications. The more we get into our spiritual disciplines, the more we go after God, the more we learn about him, the more we spend time with him, the easier it gets and the more we want to do it. When you're super fit, wanting to go for a run is a lot easier than when you're not. When you're into this into spiritual disciplines, it's much easier to keep going and it's easier, as we'll find out, to teach others. So that was the first part of verse 25. The second part says this. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. The crown that the athletes got in the Ithmian Games uh, was a laurel wreath. You've probably seen it in the films, any kind of Roman Greek type films, this, you know, some, some plants twisted together around their head and it looks great when they're new. But very quickly, you hang them up when you get in, they're going to dry out, the leaves will fall off and there's nothing left. It just doesn't last. Any, any prize we get, this is, this is me showing off now. I did run a half marathon once. I won't tell you the time, but I did finish. And you get this. Now, this looks lovely. It's quite heavy. It looks very robust. But we all know that in the end of time, this won't be here. It doesn't last. This ribbon will rot. The, the metal will erode if it's left out. And it will fail. But we're given a prize, a crown, that will last forever. This crown of salvation and righteousness. And the, what I find crazy, the way I understand it, is we've been given this 
prize before we've even run the race. All we had to do was say yes to Jesus. And this crown of righteousness, this crown of salvation is ours. So why? Why then are we doing this running? Why are we going into strict training? Why do I have to do all this? Well, the reason Paul gives this analogy is what he said is, I don't want to fall away. I don't want to fall away. And if I don't want to fall away from God, if I don't want to miss out what he's got for me, if I don't want to miss out what he's going to do with the gifts that I've got, if I want him to use me, I need to stick with it. And I need to go into strict training. It's because he wants to stay close to God. He wants to maintain this relationship. And he wants to take other people with him. So the crown is ours. But as we've sung about the worthiness, are we going to run a race? Are we going to live a life that is worthy of the gift that has been given us? It is the greatest gift that can ever be given. This crown of salvation, this crown of righteousness that we didn't even deserve, we didn't even earn, has been given to us. Are we going to live a life that's worthy of that crown? Are we going to live a life worthy in response? You know, we've, we've got a choice. How many people have joined a gym and then never been? Oh, there's one. Yeah. I joined a gym and didn't go for about 12 months. But I've joined the gym. What do you mean? Don't encourage people. I join the gym and I don't go. Lately, it's been better. It's been better. But we do that. We join a gym and we comfort ourselves with thinking, I've joined a gym. That's it. I've nailed it. I've joined a gym. Everything's going to be fine now. Forget the fact that we have to turn up. But it's like the churchgoer. Are you just a churchgoer? Am I just a churchgoer? Do I just come to church? I worship God once a week and I love that and I get real benefit from that. But what else am I doing? Am I in strict training? Or do I just rock up to watch the match? If we turn up and use the gym, we become like an athlete, slowly. We become better. We become stronger. We become quicker. We become more resilient. And the spiritual implications of this is that we become like a disciple. That word disciplined gives us disciple learning, but disciplined. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to keep doing it. We need to do more than just join the gym. When we give our lives to Christ, we cross that finishing, sorry, we cross that starting line, if you like, of this race. I'm in the race, I've crossed the line, but the finishing line is all the way down there. Now you've got a choice. You're in the race. The crown is yours, and you've just crossed the starting line. But you've got a choice as to how you run this race, how much experience you get, how much training you do, how many other people you can encourage, how many other people you can influence, how much more you can look like Jesus. If you run this race well, this is what this race is about. Because when we run this race well, and we start to look like Jesus, we become attractive. And other people want to join the race. Other people want to join the gym. Other people want to join the church. They want to know this Jesus that you start to look like when you spend more time with him, more time in his word, more time in prayer. Verse 26. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. Running aimlessly. It's a bit like me going to the gym and only visiting the steam room and the sauna. That's aimless. There's no, no benefit in that at all, other than my skin might look better, it feels really comfortable and I feel relaxed. It doesn't do anything to stretch me. It doesn't do anything to train me. That's running 
aimlessly. I need to get on the treadmill or I need to go out for a run. I need to stretch myself. I've already talked about it. It's like turning up to church. That's the starting point. We could turn up to church once a week. And sometimes for all of us, that's with the life we've got and the situation we're in, that's all we can manage. And that's okay. But I think if you want to go into strict training, there's more. Do you join a community group? Do you go a bit deeper? Do you talk about life a bit more? Do you reveal the problems you have with this life? The problems you have with running this race? Do you share those burdens with people that are closer to you when you're in a community group? Do you perhaps come to the prayer meetings? I want to get into strict training. I want to pray. I want to grow the way I pray. You know, my favorite prayer at the moment is help. Help God. Help me. That's a prayer. But sometimes we want to pray for more and we want to pray differently. We want to pray for people. Pray with other people and learn. Learn how we pray. So turn up to church is okay, but if we want to go deeper, we need to get involved in more. We need to show God that we mean business. God, use me. Stretch me. We had a phrase that we used to use a lot in the Navy. You've probably heard it. It was all the gear and no idea. I am that guy. <laughs> all the gear and no idea. But God wants us to give everything. Having the gear, having the Bible. Have you got a Bible and it still looks as crisp as the day you bought it? Don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to make mine look more tatted. I am trying to make it look a bit more so I can, I, can, I can talk the talk. But are we giving everything? God gave everything for us. And I'm not trying to make you feel guilty here. This is a response and it's a choice. God gave us everything. What are we going to give in return? Are we going to run this race as best we possibly can? Paul talks about shadow boxing. Shadow boxing is kind of fake. You see them if you ever watch the boxing, if, you, if you're into that um, and you see people, and you see them in the dressing room, and they're kind of fighting. They're going through all the moves. They're going through their combinations, and they're in their head. They're landing a load of punches, but they're not actually achieving anything. It is of some benefit. They're practicing. They're going through what they would do. This is what I would do. This is what Paul is saying. It's no good shadow boxing. It's no good talking about what you would do. You need to do it. Shadow boxing doesn't win you anything. You've got to step in the ring, and you've got to fight if you want to win that fight. Paul doesn't want to be a shadow boxer. He makes a distinction between talking the talk and walking the walk. Would people know that you were a Christian? If you told people that you were a Christian, would they be surprised or would they go, oh, yeah, I thought so. I thought there was something different about you. Do we talk the talk? A lot of us do. I hope we all do. But do we walk the walk? Are we in strict training? Are we ready to give an answer for our faith? Are we walking closely with God? Verse 27. Paul says, no. Do I feel like a boxer beating the air? So am I, am I practicing and not achieving anything? Am I faking it? He says, no. I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. Strike a blow to my body. Have you ever seen rugby players do that when they enter the field? Sometimes they'll slap each other on the face. They'll try and jeet each other up. They'll try and get that body, kind of get it going. They will strike a blow to their body. See, people, when they're lifting heavy weights, will, will do something to themselves to just stir themselves up to get them going. Paul says, no, I'm going to strike a blow to my body. Come on, Paul. What is it you're in this for? What are you doing? Remind yourself. You're in a race here. He talks about getting himself going to cajole himself. 
to push himself to the limit. Come on, Paul, this is not easy, but we're going to do this. We're going to get through. I strike a blow to my body. Come on, let's get into this. He says, I will make it my slave. I just want to make the point here that, that in Hebrew culture, in the Jewish culture then, there would have been slaves in their homes that would have been there because they were in debt, be there because they were bankrupt. And they would have to sell themselves. They would have to go into a house to pay off that debt. That's why they were there. So when Paul talks about them, he talks about this master and slave relationship where the master would say to the servant, I need you. I need you to come and do this. I need you to do that. And what Paul is saying is, I want my body to be like that. When I tell my body to do something, I want it to do it. I don't want there to be a delay. When I speak, I want there to be a response. So this is what Paul is saying about this strict training, is being in a place where you are ready when you're called into action. So perhaps when when someone says to you, I want to know more about Jesus, you've got an answer for them. When someone says, you know, what is this hope that you have? Why is it in all adversity you can still smile, you can still get through it, that you have the answer for them? And that you have the backup, you have the words to back up what it is that you are saying. Paul goes on to say, so after I have preached. So when he has talked the talk, like me this morning, when he's trying to convey a message to people, when he's trying to talk to them about Jesus, that people will see that he also walks the walk. I like to think I walk the walk. I don't run the run, I'll be honest at the moment. But I try to walk the walk. My wife will tell you, Obviously, we live together. She could tell you my deepest, darkest secrets. I'm not the best person in the world. I'm really not. I have moments when I fail. I have moments when, when things don't go so well. I have moments when I respond and it's not pretty sometimes. But I'm trying to walk the walk. I'm trying to fight the fight. I'm trying to go into strict training. I'm trying to do more so that instead of responding like Paul, I respond like Jesus. So then when I get upset, I give grace and compassion instead of anger. I'm trying to walk the walk. But Paul says, I'm doing all these things, all this training that we have just been talking about this morning is so that when I talk to people about Jesus, when I share my faith, that I'm not disqualified because I'm a fake. The word hypocrite comes from the, the mask that used to be worn in Greek Roman times. So this, this hippo, this mask. And I wonder if, if a lot of us, if we're honest, sometimes put on a Christian mask. We know the, the, the Christian lingo. We can play Christian bingo. We know all the words. We know all the things to say in certain situations when things get tight. But when we take the mask off, what's left? If we go into strict training, we can make sure that when that mask comes off, when we stick close to God, that people will see Jesus and not our fakeness. We need to be close to God so that we will look like him. How else can we win this walk? Sorry. How else can we run this race? In Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 2, I don't really know who, I'm not sure who the author is of Hebrews. It may be Paul, it may not be. But it's quite similar. This is what it says in Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. What does that tell us about running this race? Well, the first thing it talks about is getting rid of the sin that so easily entangles. 
you know, I was at this conference yesterday and, and somebody came up to me and said, can I, can I talk to you? There's something I need to talk to you about. And there was something in their life that kept tripping them up. And they said, I don't, I don't really want to do this anymore. I thought I dealt with it, but it keeps tripping me up. I said, well, what, what should we do? What are we going to do about this? Let's, let's pray about it. And they brought it before God and they repented to God and said, I'm sorry, I don't want to do this anymore. God, help me. And we prayed. That's how we deal with the sin in our lives. We think it's, how am I going to do this? How am I going to get through this? It's bringing it to God. He tells us to do that. Bring it to God. Get things that would trip us up. Get them out of the way. Get the things out of the way that people would say to us, oh, but you do this, but you do that. Of course we're going to fail. We are sinners. We will fail from time to time. But think, how can I get rid of the things in my life that are there that I don't want there? Bring it to God. Pray to him. Repent to him. Get rid of the sin so it doesn't trip us up on this race that we are trying to run. It also says to run this race with perseverance. I find this very comforting. Because perseverance is about keeping going. Perseverance isn't about trying hard. Or trying harder. Perseverance is keep going. Just keep going. It's not talking about speed. It's not talking about cadence or how fast you run this race. It's talking about keep going. When the going gets tough, keep going. Finish the race. You know, when I heard someone ask Jeff this week, what sort of time do you want for the marathon? What are you aiming for? And he just laughed and said, you know what? I just want to finish. I just want to finish. I want to finish this race. I don't have to run it fast. I don't have to run it slow. But I want to finish this race. I want to finish it well. And that means employing perseverance. One foot in front of the other. Keep going. What else does Hebrews tell us? It says keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Don't look to the left or to the right. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. You know when Paul, sorry, when Peter got out of the boat to meet Jesus as he was walking on water. He started to walk towards him and then took his eyes off Jesus and he started to sink and things started to go wrong. The moment he put his eyes back on Jesus, he could walk on water again. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. He is the goal. He is the crime. Being like Jesus is the end goal of this race. We want to be more like Jesus at the end than when we started. How do we do that? By keeping our eyes on him. When I was learning to drive, my instructor told me, because I used to drift to the right. I used to drift to the middle of the road. I don't know if anyone else does that. He said, keep your eyes. Just keep glancing to the left-hand side of the road. Keep glancing at the double yellow lines. And you'll stay true. You'll stay where you need to be. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And he'll keep you on the path where you need to go. So you can go into strict training. You can do this running. You can do spiritual disciplines. But keep your eyes on Jesus. And he'll keep you in the direction that you need to go. We're all called to run our race. Every one of us is called. We cannot be on the sidelines cheering on. We cannot cheer the guys that lead us in worship. We cannot just cheer the guys that preach. We cannot just cheer the guys that lead our children on a Sunday morning. We're all called to run this race. There are no spectators. We're called to run. Because you've been given gifts. You've been given God-given abilities. And you need to run this race at your pace. While we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus is I'm not looking at Dave trying to be like Dave because I can't be because I'm not Dave. God's called me to be Paul, to run my race like Paul. It doesn't mean I can't look at Dave and think, Dave, how do you do that? How do you run like that? How is it when you come to this obstacle, you get through it? I can ask him for help, but I've still got to run my race as Paul. 
We can help one another, but don't get into this, oh, I wish I was like them. No, no, no. I wish I was like Jesus. I wish I could be like Jesus. That's who we want to be like. We can look at one another and say, I wish I could be like him. I wish I could be like her. No. Ask them, how do you do that? Because I'd love to learn how to do that. But don't try to be like other people. Don't get into that envy. We want to be like Jesus. We're all called to run. You know, some of these games are team games. When we look at these Isthmian games, look at the modern Olympics today, some of these games are team games. We're called to do things together. So you might ask yourself, I'm on this race, I'm running. How do I help others while I run? Well, the easiest thing is encouragement. When I ran that half marathon, however long ago it was, when I was running that race, in the days when men could come along and pat each other on the bum, you can't do that anymore, but he used to come along and pat you on the bum and say, come on, you can do it. You can do it, you're nearly there, but tap someone on the shoulder. You're doing really well. There's only a few miles to go. You're running really well. You can do this. In fact, you know what? I'm going to run alongside you for a little while. I can see you're struggling. Let me run with you for a while. Let me help you out until you get your breath back. Let me help you out until you're back in a good place. We can help one another as we run this race. I think of pacemakers. You see them set off at the start of a marathon. Pacemakers, they're never going to keep up with them. But what they're saying is, if you want to run the race well, do it like this. There are people we can see. There are people we can watch. This is what I'm saying. Don't be like them, but watch what they do. This leads us to discipleship. If you're running your race well, if you've been running it for a while, you have tips, you have ways of doing things, you've been here before, you can help others. I think of the rowing in the Olympics. There's a cox at the end of the boat. There's someone telling them when to stroke. They're directing the boat, but they're keeping them all working together. I think of the... Has anyone heard of the Tough Mudder, the race, where you're running through fields and fields of mud and slime and you come to all these obstacles, but you're never going to do it on your own. You're never going to run that race on your own. You need people to work as a team. There will be people that say, I'll get down on my hands and knees. You stand on my back. You give everyone a leg up and then they'll help me over. There are times in our race when we need others. There are times in our race when we need to say, I've been here before. Is your relationship breaking down? I know what that feels like. Have you lost a job? I know what that feels like. Are your children giving you a tough time? I know what that feels like. Let me come alongside you and help you as you run this race. I remember our daughter, Olivia, she was 11 years old. We were at a school uh, sports day. 11 years old and they made them run 400 meters. It sounded more like torture to me. But they made them run 400 meters and Olivia is running around and she's like her dad, she's not a runner. And she got about a two-thirds of the way around and she really started to struggle. And one of her other friends, Talita, who was in front, looked over her shoulder and could see that she was struggling. And, <laughs> and Talita went back, forgot what she was doing, went back and helped her finish the race. By the time they get to the end, the parents are in raptures. Everybody watching is absolutely elated. Nobody knows who's won the race. Nobody cares who's won the race. But what they've seen is two people helping each other get over the line. We need to run this race together. I'm coming to an end now. But I want to ask you about discipleship. Hebrews 12 says, this great cloud of witnesses. Since we're here with this great cloud of witnesses, we have a great cloud of witnesses in this room this morning, in this church. There are many of you that have run this race for a long time. There are many of you that are very experienced in this race and you have a lot to offer. You have gifts to offer. You have abilities to offer. You have experience to show. This week we were at the Elim conference and 
people, this, this visiting speaker was bigging up Melbourne. I don't know if you know if he's here this morning, but was really bigging up Melbourne. Melbourne, at the end of the day, was sat um, at, in the hotel lobby, and a lot of the younger guys would be crowding around him. And there's this element of being a spiritual father. I see the same thing with Jeff, and I see the same thing with Dave, that there's, there's people here that have so much to offer. And I want to ask you, are you one of those people? When we talk about discipleship, could you be one of these cloud of witnesses? Could you be one of these that spurs others on? Have you got something to offer? Could you look around this building and think, you know what, I could help someone run this race. I could help disciple someone. I could help. Similarly, you might be here and you think, you know what, I've only just joined this race. I've only just stepped into faith and I could really do some help getting through this. Have a look around. Don't be afraid to ask. We are in this together. So why does Paul do this? Why does he call us to strict training? Why does he call us to run this race? Why does he tell us how we can do it? Well, at the end of Paul's life, as he has run his race, he has something to tell us. And it's about this strict training. It's about how he has lived his life. Everything I've said to you this morning is, is what we need so that we can say this. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all those who have longed for his appearing. Are you longing for God's appearing? Are you longing for Jesus to return? Do you want to look more like Jesus? Do you want to help others to look like Jesus? Let's think about going into strict training. I look out at this sea of faces and I see so many people that have things that I want. I see that they have skills that I would love. They have gifts that I would love. This place is rich. It is rich with experience. It is rich with love for Jesus. Can we help one another to run this race well. I really pray and hope that we can. And I want to ask you to think about how you can help others to run this race. We're all called to run this individual race, but we're in this together. Let's pray. Pastor Ban could come up and join me. I was thinking as we were singing that song this morning, earlier, I will build my life we were talking about the worthiness of God. The worthiness of God. He has given us this crown of salvation. He has given us this crown of righteousness. Are we going to live our lives in response to that? Are we going to run this race in response to that? We don't want to try harder because we will fail. But will we ask God to help us? Will we ask one another to help us to run this race. Lord, I pray this morning that you would fill us all with your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would give us a hunger, Lord, to be like you. I pray, Lord, that as we look more like you, that we would become more attractive. And I pray as we become more like you and we become more attractive, other people will want to be like us. Other people will want to be like you. I pray, Lord, you would make us hungry for your word. I pray that you would make us hungry to spend time with you.
Lord, I pray that you would draw us in to you. I pray, Lord, as we run this race, as we are disciplined, as we train, Lord, as we go into strict training like Paul called us to, that we would not fall away, that we would run this race with perseverance, dogged perseverance. I am not giving up. I've been given a crown of righteousness. I've been given a crown of salvation. And I'm running towards the prize. I am running and I am not giving up. Lord, we thank you for what you have done for us. We thank you for what you sacrificed for us. Lord, I pray in return, Lord, that we would take you seriously. Lord, that we would want to be like you, this call to emulate you, to demonstrate the gifts of the Spirit, to love one another, to grow in faith. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would build your church as we all run the race together, as we help one another, that you would build your church and it would be a thing of beauty, that people would want to be part of it, that people would want to join this race for this prize of salvation and righteousness. So Lord, I pray that you would stir us, that you would give us courage, that you would give us strength and that we would feel compelled this morning, not condemned, but compelled to dig deeper with you, to train that little bit more, to look for what more, Lord, we can do to get closer to you, what more we could do to look like you. So help us, Lord, I pray. Let's all stand as we, as we worship. I want to remind you of that story at the beginning where I had this ability to throw heavy things a long way and I didn't follow through on it. I didn't train hard. I didn't ask the coach how I could do better. And it was a gift that was just laid to waste. And I want to ask you this morning, have you got a gift? The gift that God has placed in your heart. It could be hospitality. It could be a gift of friendship. It could be a gift of teaching. Whatever that gift may be, don't let it go to waste. Let's go into strict training. Let's develop these gifts and ask God to help us by his Holy Spirit that we might help one another to run this race. Don't let your gifts go to waste. Let's go into strict training.